The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. God has done a, a really remarkable work in this in this whole process of coming back to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and and one of those works involved um, seminary. What what I wasn't expecting or anticipating it was seminary. And um, one of the privileges about this morning, one of the um, things I'm very grateful for this morning, is that uh, two folks, two two men who were involved in my life at seminary are here today. And the first is my friend Ben, just grateful to call him Ben Jamatos, which is the participle form of Ben in Greek. Just so you know, I mean, that's what I call him, Ben Jamatos. And, uh, and, and the reason I call him that is because our first class in seminary was Greek 101, and we're sitting there, and we're flying through the alphabet, and I'm just sweating bullets. My palms are sweating, like, what am I doing? And we just locked eyes at the end of class, and we were like, we can do this. We can do this, right? And so practically every class I think we had together, we locked eyes and said, we can do this, right? We can do this. And so I'm just really grateful for his friendship. And throughout the course of seminary, uh, Ben and myself and a, a couple other guys just held each other accountable and walked through seminary together, some of those joys and pains and struggles and, and everything that went on with seminary. So I'm so glad that Ben's here. And thank you for making the trek up from Mobile, Alabama to be with us. He's going to be giving the charge to me later in the service, as well as a charge to the congregation. So you'll be involved in, in what Ben's bringing today. Second person that was involved in my life at, uh, at seminary uh, was my pastor. Uh, and f- through seminary, we, we spent a couple years at, at different churches. And we landed finally for the last about year and a half at a church called Riverside Church. And, uh, and I, I came, uh, I, I was in seminary and aware that I had a lot of ministry if you want to call it counselor language, if you want to call it woundedness, that's what I had going on. And I had a lot of triggers when it came to ministry and even even pastoral ministry and pastors. And, uh, and Zach was, was um, so influential in helping me to understand that the word pastor is a safe word. And, uh, and to be shepherded by him through the course of every other week we would meet. And uh, he'd allow me to just spill out what's what God's been doing and he would he would gently shepherd me and I remember one specific occasion where things just sort of shifted for me in terms of how I understood pastoral ministry but and I don't know if Zach remembers this but it was a situation where there was a miscommunication about something we had done and I was leading worship at the church and so there was a miscommunication and and I I was like I need to communicate to Zach, what happened that I wasn't maybe happy about what happened. Like it didn't go well. And I, I, there's conflict and I need to talk to him, but I was, I was fearful. I didn't know how it would be received. And I remember sitting down with him at Panera and sharing with him, okay, it's not a big deal. Just, and I was real, you know, careful about it. Here's, here's something that happened. Just want to tell you this a little bit. And I, I was probably 10 seconds into just sharing, you know, something that had happened, the, 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 uh, miscommunication and wanted to be clear. Here's what happened, Zach. I, I know I don't want you to be mad. And, uh, and with, like I said, within 10 seconds, his hand was out. His right hand was out and there were tears in his eyes and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And I just slowly uh, 
grabbed his hand and he said, Chad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. And I said, wow, wow, I, I don't know what to do with that. And so, so the, throughout the course of, of our time at Riverside, I just saw a man who was humble and able to acknowledge his own need and weakness and, uh, again, need for the Lord. And so it's with great pleasure that I invite Zach S. Doc, Dr. Zach Eswine. By the way, your bulletin's incorrect. It says, Reverend, it needs to say doctor. He doesn't care about that. But just so you know, just so you know, it says uh, Dr. Zach Eswine. And I'm um, just pleased to have him up here um, sharing God's word with us. So I think it's okay. Would you do me? Can we welcome Zach here to Green Bay? It's actually Reverend Doctor, so. <laughs> I, I get to bring a welcome from Riverside Church in Webster Groves, Missouri, where people are giving thanks to God for Chad and Bliss today and cheering for them. And uh, we, were, we were gifted, as you are, with their voices, their good humor, and uh, their genuine intuitive presence which sometimes is unnerving because it looked like they're reading your soul or something. But <laughs> it's really a blessing and a gift. And so it's a privilege for me to be with you. And I've, I've turned in the New Testament to a book called 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And it's on page 967 in the pew Bible or the chair Bible that you have there. And um, uh, when we think about pastors and congregations... A lot of us get nervous, as, Pad, as uh, Chad shared. You know, we, we hear the word pastor, and we might have, have some bad experiences with that word. We hear the word church, and we have bad experiences with that word. Sometimes we have great experiences, but uh, you might be visiting today and think, what did I get myself into? This is kind of a weird service, and, um, and you're thinking to yourself, uh, it took a lot of courage to come today, because church and pastor is a little scary and if you were to know the Apostle Paul, that could be scary too. He's the guy that wrote this letter. And where I come from in Webster Groves, Missouri, people really like Jesus. But they don't like the stuff in the Old Testament. And they really don't like the Apostle Paul and his letters. It's a real stumbling block for them. And we turn to this uh, passage here. And this is one of those passages among so many uh, that draws us to uh, the Apostle Paul as a human being in ministry. He's really uh, a pastor, a minister that's uh, so different than what so many of us have known. And we see in this letter a congregation and a minister who's a follower of Jesus. And there's communication between the two of them. And why this communication is so rich is because there's a real temptation, not only because of our woundedness when we hear the word church or congregation or pastor, there's also a temptation because we want to use each other. You know, a, a, a pastor can use a congregation as a platform for his own ministry. And um, a congregation can use a pastor, consume rather than love him for their own needs. And both of us, pastors and congregations, try to be God for each other rather than just human beings who've been saved by grace who humbly do life together, looking to the Savior to lead them. And that's what you have in this section of Scripture. I'm going to read it for you. 
And I forgot my reading glasses, so if I miss a word or two, you know, just you can read it there. But, ah, this is a good angle. Cool. It came in. It's, it's right there. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. I'm going to say a prayer. Lord, here we are. Some of us love you from our heart because you've saved us by your grace, forgiven us of our sins, and this ongoing work of recovering us in you. And others of us are not quite sure. We wonder if my words are just words bouncing off a ceiling as I pray to an illusion of my own mind. And here we all are together, and we're asking that you would meet us according to our need. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to remind us of a few things about ministry and congregations together. The first one is this. It's local. Ministry is humble and human in its locality. Did you see that there? Even when we came into Macedonia... Whenever you open the Bible, one of the things you notice is that it requires an act of neighbor love just to open the Bible. Do you know why? Because when you open it, it's going to constantly tell you about people who have names. And some of those names you don't even know how to pronounce. And they come from times and places that you're not even interested in. They're boring to you, but they're not boring to God. And He wants you to know their names and their stories. And there's also places... When you open the Bible, you learn about all kinds of places and you may have no interest in them, but it is a reminder that the God who created Eden, a place, the God who created the earth, He cares about place and locality. And so Jesus leads us to Galilee and to Jerusalem. And Paul writes letters to Corinth and Philippi and Galatia and Rome. He goes to Macedonia, he goes to Crete. Jesus goes to a place called Calvary. And that's a good thing, that ministry is local. Because that means that Jesus cares about and is concerned about places like Webster Groves, Missouri and Green Bay, Wisconsin. Even though the Cardinals and the Brewers might have some tangling going on. I know that was a tough season for you guys last year and I'm really... Really sorry about that. And, um, but we can joke like that. We can even get intense about that if we've had too much to drink. But the thing that God reminds us about, right? The thing he reminds us of is that where you live matters to him. So here's practical point number one. Write this down. This is a remarkable piece of wisdom. In order to do something, you have to be somewhere. Really? <laughs> so you've got to be somewhere. And uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're wishing you were somewhere else. You're like the psalmist in the Old Testament who says, I wish I was a bird. I would fly away from here. And here the Apostle Paul is in his humanity, 
going to a local place that you and I don't really care about. We have to look up Bible dictionaries to even know what it's all about. And yet here it is recorded, a story. Because of the grace of God caring for such a place. And so God cares about cheese curds. And uh, it's a good thing to know about Zesties and Culver's. And it's a, to check the signs on each one and to decide which place you want to go. And it's a good thing to know that people go hunting around Thanksgiving time. And it's a good thing to know that there's a waiting list. Even uh, to get into Lambo, right? Tickets. And sometimes tickets are in wills. People will their tickets to family members. And this is a part of living here in long winters and wanting to go to Florida or somewhere in February, just to give yourself a little bit of a break. And it's a part of knowing a place. And as a congregation and as a minister, you get to know a place. And Chad, you have a unique blessing and bliss because you grew up here, Chad. You have stories about uh, the penitentiary and how across the street where you live used to be a farm and how legend, legend has it there's tunnels under the ground and you're hoping the tunnels have been collapsed and all that kind of thing. <laughs> You know that because you know local story of a local place that has a history. And in God's grace, when you were in high school, leading worship, thinking about becoming a counselor, here you are today. He took you to Wheaton. He brought you back. He took you to St. Louis. He's brought you back because he cares about Green Bay. The Apostle Paul goes to Macedonia. Chad and Bliss go to Green Bay. Ministry is local. So for those of you who have been Christians for a while and you know language about wanting to reach the world for Christ, in order to reach the world for Christ, someone has to make Green Bay their great ambition in life. Someone's got to stay here. And what a privilege that the Lord's given You as a congregation, ministers who make it their great ambition in life to be here. And it's really a privilege that you as a congregation, for the sake of your community, you get to make it your great ambition in life to follow Jesus in his love for Green Bay. The Apostle Paul went to Macedonia. Ministry is local. And in those local places, there's pains and there's comforts. Let's look at the pains first. The first kind of thing is bodily or physical. We remind ourselves ministry is physical. I know you might think to yourself that ministry is a spiritual thing, and it certainly is. The Apostle Paul will write elsewhere, and he'll tell us that there's this spiritual war going on, but our battle is not against flesh and blood, but our battle against, and that's not against flesh and blood, takes place in flesh and blood places. And we aren't just angels floating on clouds. We are physical People. If I hit that hard enough, it'll hurt, right? We're, he made us body and soul. And a great deal of ministry is physical. I can see you, you some of you because of the lights, but I can see a lot of you, and you can see me. If we're around each other long enough, I'll just say it plainly, we'll smell each other, right? We're human beings. And when uh, I go to pray you you know when chad and pastor dan come and pray with you and they open their bible depending on what day it is they will read and pray with coffee breath it's because they're human beings with physical bodies and you may have just eaten cheerios you may have just had oatmeal you may not have brushed your teeth yet and there you are holding hands praying with your bad breath and your coffee breath to the one who created you because you are physical beings 
And what Paul says here is our bodies had no rest. Paul's talking about his body in ministry. Because ministry is a physical thing. For him, he had to travel, travel, and travel. And face a great deal of external threat. He actually had been beaten for his faith. Physically bruised and things like this. His body had no rest. Some of you, that seems pretty distant. Except for what you see right now in the news taking place among Christians in the Middle East. And it's hard to even get our heads around that. The Apostle Paul knows what that's like. For others of you, it's just you have... You have a child or you have three children or more and you're up at three in the morning or you're at a season with your job where it's a relentless pace or you're facing some kind of physical difficulty and it's just wearing you down a bit and you would say to yourself or to someone else, my body had no rest. And right here you realize something about this pastor, the Apostle Paul. He's a pretty unnervingly honest guy. If you were to say, hey Paul, how you doing? He might say, well, I'm exhausted. Everywhere I go, there's conflict, and I'm scared to death. How you doing? (laughs) And right there, a practical reality of what the Christian life is. The Christian life isn't constantly saying, I'm blessed, and telling everyone how good and wonderful everything is. You know, the Apostle Paul just doesn't do life like that. He'll tell us when his prayers aren't answered. He'll tell us that he's going to boast in his weaknesses. He's constantly talking about himself in his weakness so that we can see the treasure that's within him, the strength of the Lord. And so here he is telling those that he serves, hey, when I went into Macedonia, I was wore out. I was exhausted. And the congregation might say, whoa, whoa. That makes me nervous. The pastor's tired. Why? He's a human being. Do you get tired? Yes, you do. You get tired. He gets tired. You know what? You all just get to say, hey, I'm tired. And that doesn't mean you're not a faithful Christian. doesn't mean you're, you're a bad pastor now. It just means you're human beings in locality. And sometimes there are seasons when your bodies have no rest. And you set that in front of the Lord. And in the safety of one another... Because ministry is physical. And a lot of ministry, chat and bliss, is invisible. It's invisible. I don't know if you know this as a congregation, but most of a pastor's work, Pastor Dan, most of a pastor's work is invisible to most of you. That's why you wonder what they do all week. And it's this combination of counselor, spiritual director, CEO, uh, whatever, preacher, teacher, husband, dad, son, brother kind of thing that they do every week for your spiritual welfare. And a lot of times who they spend time with is in a confidential way. They can't just tell you about who they visited or who they worked with or the stories so you encounter them most of the time in personal or small group ways because of something taking place in your life and they are like shepherds coming alongside to walk with you and listen and pray that's why paul is telling the corinthians hey you guys don't know about this but when i was in macedonia things were really hard i was tired ministry's physical and invisible to the body at large. And sometimes that's humbling. 
because they don't really know. The people in Corinth didn't really know. They were giving Paul a hard time. They had no idea what Paul was actually doing during a day. And sometimes ministers don't know what you're going through during a day. And we get to say to one another, you know what? This Christian life is a physical thing. We have bodies, and we can be honest about that. It's not only a physical thing and a local thing, but this ministry uh, together is also emotional. It's soulish. It's internal. It's psychological. It's like there's stuff going on behind these eyes in our inward being, in what the Bible calls the heart. And Paul says it this way, Our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. You ever get afraid? What makes you afraid? I was so surprised one time I was leading a Bible study for an elderly uh, population. And a person who was 90 years old, and at the time I was 27. And uh, I asked, what makes you afraid? And uh, this 90-year-old lady immediately said, Storms. Storms make me afraid. I just wouldn't have imagined that's what she would have said. But storms, do storms make you afraid? Um, The Vikings coming to town, does that make you afraid? Like, no, that's right. It makes them afraid, right? Fear for our kids, fear for our neighbors, fear for our own selves, fear for our church, fear for our country, fear for our politics, fears, 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 fears. And here's the Apostle Paul. If anyone who was close to Jesus, it's someone like the Apostle Paul. And yet in his fullness of his humanity, Paul just tells you as a minister, yeah, I'm scared. That doesn't mean he doesn't have faith. Sometimes it takes a lot of faith. To say I'm scared, but God. And so there's a reality of congregations and ministries. We're, we're not just doing local physical things. We're doing this life transformation, this internal work. And that's why some of us get scared. And that's why some of us feel afraid. Because we have to go to a Panera and risk a conversation about internal things. And we don't know how it's going to go. And we've had experiences in the past. And I've had experiences too, Chad. So when you started that conversation, I was afraid too. But here's the thing. Uh, Your way of approaching me was so humble and gracious that it freed me to say what I already had on my mind to say. Forgive me. I was wrong. It goes both ways. And sometimes, anytime a pastor gets an email, I don't know if you know this, but if pastors ever get a letter on their desk, it might be a Christmas card with 50 bucks in it, but I'm telling you, when they see the letter with a handwritten pastor on it, they have a trauma response. (laughs) Because the number of anonymous letters or the number of letters where people wouldn't say something out of love to them but have written down, to them and some of you know that in your workplace right you know what emails can just make you jittery because you don't know what the family member is going to say to you you know that one family member whenever they write to you they let you have it and so you see the name come across the email inbox and you just you start to get anxious inside you're afraid of being hurt and the apostle paul is saying ministers and congregations i'm afraid Because this ministry gets into you. Following Jesus 
gets into you and it humbles you in your humanity. It's local, it's physical, it's emotional. So don't be surprised if you feel afraid. Don't be surprised if you feel wore out sometimes. It doesn't mean things have gone bad. It might just mean you need the Lord in a fresh way because you're in the thick of real life and real ministry. And that's the good comfort that's coming here. It's this phrase, but God, but God. And we reminded that this ministry among congregation is personal. Paul has his own testimony in community. God comforted the downcast. That's what he says. This is who he is. He comforts the downcast and he comforted me. Now, whenever a a minister of the gospel says that they too can be downcast, that they too can be afraid, Chad, Bliss, Pastor Dan, what what you want to know is what you already know. I'm just reminding you and you can remind me. That's a monster and a magnet. When you say I'm afraid and wore out and downcast, that's a monster to some. Some people will use that, say that you're weak, say that you don't have faith. They'll use it against you. And they'll use the Bible to do it. They'll quote some passages out of context as if Paul never said words like this. And they'll make you feel small. And they'll act like they themselves have never been downcast. They themselves have never been afraid. They themselves have never been wore out. But you guys are pastors. You should know better. And that's how they'll treat you. And it's going to hurt. And that's why you have trauma responses when you read emails and letters. And some of you are tempted to do that. And I get to say, don't you ever do that. It isn't weakness. If it is, then the Apostle Paul is weak. And he says he's weak. But then he makes his turn. But God. And I want you to know that for most people, statements like this from pastor types, from God talkers like us, most people, this is not a monster kind of statement. This is a magnet. Because they think to themselves, really? Even you? I mean, your whole life's devoted to God in a way that my life isn't. And you're saying you too get afraid. You too can get wore out. And you're saying there's grace. Most people, right? Am I right? Most people long for a minister like that. Most people are wore out with ministers who pretend otherwise. And they long for the humanity of their pastor so that everybody can look together to the provision of grace in Jesus Christ. And you get to do that. And the testimony comes, he comforted us. And it came in two forms. Personal relationship. God comforted us by the coming of Titus. Uh, I, I would think it would say something different. You know, I, go out, I went out to a cave and God comforted me. And I have no doubt that God can do that. There's probably some nice caves in Wisconsin. I have no idea. I have no doubt that you could say, I went to Door County and God comforted me. I have no doubt that could be very nice. The Packers won and God comforted me. But what this is saying is God comforted me by the coming of Titus. I mean, that's so remarkable because, you know, Paul is Jewish and Titus is Greek. It's the Jew and the Gentile getting together. I can imagine what their families thought. I can imagine what the culture around them thought. When those two guys got together, they sat down at Zestes, they had some custard, and somehow, in the ordinary way of getting together, God comforted them. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is be with someone 
But depending on who that person is, it might be the thing you most need because that friend is a means of God's comfort to you. And Paul needed Titus. And Titus needed Paul. And they're the unlikeliest of pairs. But it's God-given friendship. And in that, he found comfort. And not only that, the testimony of a congregation. Because Titus told Paul about a congregation and what was going on. And Paul's heart was comforted. And there he is, you see, the minister in his pains, finding comfort from testimony of a congregation that God's at work in someone's life. And there's a friend to have coffee with. And it doesn't get much better than that. This side of heaven. That's a pretty good day and a pretty good life to hear a testimony of God's grace in someone's life and to have a friend to have coffee with. And you get to say, look at God. (laughs) He draws near to everything local. God draws near to what is physical and emotional. He comes in a very personal way and gives us a story of His grace. And He did all that in Green Bay. And it was very good. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your grace to the Apostle Paul and to that congregation in Macedonia and in Corinth. But thank you for your grace here to Chad and Bliss, to Pastor Dan, to the worship teams and staff and volunteers and elders and deacons and everything that you're doing in this congregation and in this place. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.